0: College football fans, are you in good hands? Because with insurance from Allstate, you'll have a winning game plan, like reliable coverage and protection for everything life throws at you. Because just like how great protection can save a football game, it can also save you money. So get protected with Allstate. Visit allstate.com or call a local agent today to learn more. Brought to you by Allstate. You're in good hands. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman. We give you what we're watching for and preview OU Texas with Fozzie Whitaker. We also preview some of the other great games of week six in college football, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's OU Texas weekend, baby. Let's go. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, October 4th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Eichert and Lehman. And Ted, it is 9.43 a.m., and Texas still sucks. Let's go! <laughs> it's
1: almost here. Oh, man, it's on us, isn't it? And this feels like the biggest one we've had in a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's just no doubt. And I I love how big it feels. This is how this game is supposed to feel. All is right in the world. When this game feels this way, right? God intended this game to feel this big. I love it. (laughs) Now, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Ted, let's jump right into it. We got a lot to get to, man. We can't waste any time here. Yeah. What are you watching for from OU's defense against Texas's offense?
1: Yeah. Number one, their offense is really good. Um, Really at every level great group of skill guys wide receivers they've got size there they've got quickness uh great talent obviously we know they they've got the you know athlete whatever you want to call at tight end jatavian sanders we'll see what his role in the football game is going to be um i would imagine if he goes he's not going to be himself um that's going to be tough for them because that takes out a huge part of what they do and the the like one of the great things about this offense is their screen game and you don't see a whole lot of teams run screens the way they do and a lot of them are tied in screens and not that they won't have that option it's just not going to be nearly as dangerous of a play and they use that tight end screen as a counter to a lot of the things that they do right and it's it's all designed really well so that's going to be a, a big factor to see what he does um the running game good backs good offensive line you know you're not going to see a ton of stuff they um they'll run some split zone they'll run some of those dive plays those quick hitters it's not really inside zone it's more of just a. it's,
0: it's what our offense runs yeah Right. Now, I think Levy calls it tight zone, but really what it is is on the front side you're taking inside footwork. On the back side, you're trying to just cave the hell out of it. Yep. And then the back cuts off the cave.
1: Now, you'll get some exotic, not exotic stuff, but just some some different stuff visually for backers, like uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Influence wham. It like I, I don't know. It's kind it's just it's almost like cross blocking up front um you know and they do that with the tight end jatavian sanders to give him some better angles on some stuff and you know it, it's just it's it fits really weird but that's something that they're going to have to keep their eyes open to and then they do this you know kind of pin pull type of stuff down and around they'll get the guard in the center around uh or the tackle around and trying to tack the perimeter now go back if you remember in the the review from Iowa State I was talking about some of the pin pull stuff we saw from Iowa State and the crack toss or uh, excuse me the uh, the crack replace from our corners. It was a it was a problem in the Iowa State game that you know we just gave up some some yards and the safeties. It didn't always cost us on all the plays but the safeties in the corners uh, dealing with the crack replace stuff was not good. I imagine Texas is going to try and hit us on that. Um, they'll probably, you know, also have some pass plays where it looks like that's what they're creating, and then they run either boot or, you know, something off of that. Um, so the the design of the offense is really good. You'll get some, like, wildcat stuff and short yardage, um, you know, but the really – the most dangerous part of the offense, in my opinion, because the rushing game – has not been great. The Kansas statistics skew massively what the Texas running game has been. It has not been great up to this point. Um, the real strength of their offense is in the passing game. Now, a lot of the pass stuff that you're going to get, they love all kinds of combinations of under and over. Um, you know, sometimes it's an under with a dig way on the outside Sometimes it's under and over at the same time. Um, They love to work the inner third of the field, and they get to it a bunch of different ways. And that's one of the things that you'll notice is how good Sark is. You know, I was talking to Coach Venables about it uh, on Monday night, and Iowa State, you see a bunch of shift and motion and we see it from a bunch of people, but most people it is, it's like, it's a way we start to play just to, you know, window dress some things. Sark is way more deliberate and there's a reason each shift in motion is happening. Like they're creating space on the field and, and they're, they're really trying to create different matchups whenever they do it. It's not just a, go out there and go through the motions like a swinging gate for field goal and that's what you get with a lot of people so you've got to really keep your your eyes open to that but the hook players uh again the over under stuff they're going to work those hook players and to me that's going to be because it could be safety that's dropping down and playing the hook in cover three it can be your inside backers but those players are going to have to turn and find those over routes or they can just pick you apart um Quinn Ewers is he's having to me he's having a it's a really interesting season for him. He's accurate. He's made good decisions. He's been smart with the football, and he's been able to use his legs and and do it effectively. Here's the weird thing to me. I I just. I, I feel like almost anyone can do the stuff that he's done. And I try not to be biased whenever I watch it. And I try to, to just look at this thing objectively and, and take what I see. But I think he's average. I think the offense creates a bunch of really good, good opportunities for him and he's he's good at those but I don't think he has elite arm talent I don't think he has elite athleticism I think he and it's evident to me where do you get exposed as a quarterback you get exposed in the red zone when you get to the red zone everything becomes tighter everything's more condensed the guys don't look as open and the quarterback has to be way more accurate and way quicker with his reads. And Texas is not, they're not a good red zone team. One of the biggest struggles that they've had so far this year is finishing drives. And I think it, I I think it, it shows the limitations of Quinn Ewers to some degree. I feel like if we heat him up and get him under pressure, especially early, that really affects the way he plays the rest of the game. Whenever he's not comfortable in the pocket and he's not a hundred percent sure what he's seeing on the back end, he becomes shaky really quickly. So I think there's some I think there's a lot of opportunity for us defensively. I just I look at one play in particular, whenever I think about it, it was a it was a red zone snap against Kansas, and they're running an RPO look off of it. Quinn Ewers does his play fake. He's got a little bit of pressure coming off the edge at him. We're in the red zone. So the RPO coverage is tighter. And he like, he like turns his back and shoulder and just flips the ball. And it should have been intercepted by Kansas. I don't know. I don't know. The defensive back, I think was shocked by what happened, but I think it's, I, a lot of those plays are really hidden in what all you see from them, and the numbers and everything. But I think we have a massive, maybe not massive, a a, a large quarterback um, advantage in this football game when I compare Dylan Gabriel to Quinn Ewers.
0: I, I, I think, I think large maybe is a little much but I think Dylan Gabriel has played better football than yours this season. People just haven't seen Dylan Gabriel play as much as they've seen yours. And And obviously yours was really good against Bama. And when you play like that on that stage with all the eyeballs that were on that game, like that's what people are going to think of you. But I'm with you. There is nothing like when you watch the tape, there's nothing, I don't know, breathtaking about what he's doing. Now he's been solid, right? He he's hitting these guys, but they are most of his stuff, the guys are
1: I mean, they're schemed wide open. That's what I'm saying. I I I don't see I don't see him making something of nothing. I th- that just That's fair. almost it almost never happens in in their offense. It's either there and he makes the throw or he pulls it down and scrambles. Or you know, takes a sack. I I don't I don't know. It's just, I mean, and I think that that's actually go. I think it's a, a compliment to how good Sarkeesian's offense is designed, where a guy doesn't have to do like anything extraordinary, and it it's a well oiled machine. It spews points and yards.
0: What else he got?
1: I, what do, you, I think what do it, you think of the O line? I think they're good. I think they're they seem to be really strong. I think they're they're better in pass protection. Um. I I see. You know, often as I watch offensive line, whenever I see guys that I think maybe are struggling, there's a lot of lunging at people. It seems like this offensive line is confident knows where they're going and they play under control and whenever you have offensive linemen that are playing under control it can be difficult to get to the quarterback like as a rusher you like to use your opponent's aggression against them that's kind of how you counter and get them out of position and it feels like they're they're very measured and under control quite a bit i i defer to you to see what you think of them
0: I think that I think Kyle Flood's a really, really good coach. Yeah. Right. You can just see it in the technique that they utilize. I I do think if you're looking for a weakness in pass protection, it's at guard. Right. right Hayden guard. Connor, the left guard, DJ Campbell, the right guard. I don't think those guys redirect particularly well. Mm-hmm. I look for a guy like Jonah Laulu. Right. I, I think he can win against both of those guys with his length and his quickness. And then, man, I'm not going to lie. I have not been overly impressed with what I've seen from Kelvin Banks at left tackle. Kansas kind of got after him. Mm -hmm. And you you mentioned, like, lunging. One of the things I look at in an offensive lineman, especially when when people are talking about a guy like the way that people talk about Kelvin Banks, it's like, are you in a dominant finishing position when the ball's gone? And a lot of the time, like he's off balance, he's fallen. It just, I, it was not. It did not look the way I expected it to look. With, with the type of praise he receives, like Kelvin Banks is not the best offensive tackle in this game. Tyler Guyton is. Just watch the tape. I mean, just watch the tape. It's the truth. But he does. He bends really well. When he gets you, he gets you, man. But he's. He's just off balance quite a bit. I don't know. It's strange. It's not what I was expecting to see from him on tape.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and they they uh, there's some stuff with him in the running game where Kansas just almost, kept knocking his hands down and he would just fall. Yeah, it's kind of it almost looks like some laziness, right? Mm. I it, it was strange to watch.
0: I did not. Yeah. That's as bad as I've seen him play. Right, but it is. Yeah, it's interesting. I. I, overall, I think we'd match up really well with them. That's what I came away with. Right now, Earthy and Mitchell and, and Sanders being hurt is huge. Even if he plays, we he's not going to be the same guy, right? Right. I wouldn't think. The skill guy's terrify me. They got dudes. I mean, they absolutely got dudes. But the battle in the trenches, with what we've seen from OU's defense, the number of bodies that we've been able to rotate, I'm going to be really disappointed if Texas just blows them off the
1: football. Yeah. Uh, Really disappointed. I just don't see that happening. And I'm telling you, Coach Venables is – they're going to have a really good game plan, and I think they're going to heat Quinn Ewers up and do it from a bunch of different places. And you don't have to sack him necessarily. You just have to make him uncomfortable. And if they get to him early, they make him uncomfortable early, he will deteriorate as the game goes on. I'm just telling you right now, in a bad way. He starts looking at the rush. He starts like throwing the football like this as he's as he's falling away. I the the early battle is when we pressure him, we've got to get him, sack him or force an errant throw. We can't sell out in the rush, and what often happens is there's a lane and the quarterback steps through it and can run. I think if he is able to feel the pressure, step through it, and go get some positive yardage, it's going to keep his confidence level high, and he'll be looking to do that, and that's dangerous. But if we can not allow that to happen and it hit him, make him feel us get a sack for some some ugly throws under pressure. I do. I think he's going to deteriorate because I don't think he has the skill level, the athleticism or the arm to to really be elite under pressure. I just maybe it's there and I haven't seen it yet, but I see him do the routine things good. The off routine things, you know, like, the the long touchdown against Kansas, it's a great play. Statistically, it looks awesome. But every quarterback in the Big 12 could have made that run for a touchdown, right? It's it, That's just kind of where I see him. And maybe this is the game where he shows up and shows that he's he's got the extra gear and he can kind of separate himself. But to me, I just – I'm worried about a bunch of things about Texas a quarterback just doesn't happen to be one of them could be famous last words. Yeah. You know, but I, I, their skill guys, their wide receivers are great. They're Jatavian Sanders. Their, their backs are, are physical and aggressive. Their, their defense is as we're about to get to is really solid all the way around. I, I'm worried about a lot of things. It's, it, you know, whenever you play, you go play Caleb Williams you, you're you thinking about something completely different. You go play like uh, like a Bo Nix or one of like those type of guys, they make incredible individual effort plays where they just go out and it's like what we we did everything we were supposed to do on that play and they still made us pay. I just haven't seen stuff like that from Quinn Ewers.
0: I think that's fair. Anything else? OU's defense, Texas' offense. I think that's it. All right. Let's talk about things we're watching for from OU's offense versus Texas's defense. First of all, the structure. A lot of versatility in their looks. Ted, four-man front. They can get to odd spacing. They can get to even spacing. They've jumped into quite a bit of bare front. Now, for those of you out there, they're like, what's bare front? That's center, guard, tackle, all covered. Okay? And if you – if you get into 12 personnel, you're going to see some bear. You're also going to see a bit of a traditional like 3-4 look, right? Those three techniques go to four eyes, right? And you're like, oh, my God, it's 3-4 defense. What's going on here? But lots of fronts, lots of guys play. They're going to move 95 Alfred Collins and 45 Vernon Broughton. Those guys can be interior guys. Those guys can play defensive end. So they do it, – it's very similar to what you see from Oklahoma, Ted, and they've got a lot of fronts. They do a lot of different things, and you, you just got to know where guys are at, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I I don't know, and I'm sure you'll get to it, but I think the strength of that, that defense is how that interior's played. They, yeah. They're really strong. They've played well.
0: Let's start here. If OU's offensive line doesn't play at a high level, OU's going to lose. Bottom line. especially in the interior texas's defensive line is by far the best that they've seen as a collective group big physical athletic um, play a lot of guys so guys are fresh throughout the game you have to be ready you have to know what you're signing up for and you're signing up for a four-quarter fight i really wish I really wish I could come on here and say, these Texas guys are soft. It's a country club, all that stuff that we used to say about them. It ain't true anymore. Physical discipline, good defensive line. So that's, that's where it's at. So I'll start with some run game thoughts. Interested to see, and it's interesting to talk about coverage in the run game, but will Texas be able to sit in a two high safety defense and play the run effectively if they do that's a problem long it's a big day big problem it's going to be a long day offensively so if Texas is going to play cover 2 cover 4 different variations of that quarter quarter half whatever you want to call it like it is it's absolutely paramount that they run it efficiently right now this is not a I'm not expecting OU's run game all of a sudden to rip off 40 and 50 yard runs we just haven't seen that and this is the best defense they've played against but you have to give them a reason to get out of that too high shell right because if you don't that's a big problem I do think I do think OU can run the football on them. Wyoming did, so why not? And now Wyoming did it out of 12 and 13 personnel, and this is one of those games where the lack of depth in the tight end room really hurts OU because you get a favorable personnel grouping if you go with big personnel, and OU just doesn't have the guys for that. But what Wyoming did a really good job of was staying on their double teams in their zone concepts. I mean, staying on, because Texas's inside backers, 33 and 41, Benda and Ford, who are both really good players, they play very lateral in the run game. And you can tell it's the way they're coached. I, I think my guess is it has a lot to do with how prevalent RPOs are in college football, so they play lateral. They are They are not a spike-it-downhill duo that inside backer. So knowing that you can stay on your double teams account longer and you absolutely have to, because 93 is hard as hell to move, man. It's sweat at that size, his level of athleticism. I mean, he's fantastic. 90 Byron Murphy. He isn't easy to move with the double team. He's really good with the drop knee, uh, drop knee technique to fight those double teams. But I've seen him get moved a little bit. 95 Alfred Collins is the guy I think you can move. He gets a little high. He's a taller guy when he's playing in the interior. He gets a little little high with his pad level. I've seen him moved off the football. Wyoming moved him off the football. But you have to have success on the double teams, whether that's your zone game. I I think you'll see some gap scheme stuff from Oklahoma. And then running backs have to make guys miss. And – Number 11, Jalen Catalan, is going to fly in to the run fit like a damn heat-seeking missile. A heat-seeking missile of destruction. You have to make that guy miss a few times and make him throttle down a little bit. Also, Tawi Walker and him are going to have the biggest collision known to mankind in this game. I, I just book it. It's
1: going to happen. Unstoppable force meets immovable object. It's gonna be the
0: biggest collision ever. I can't wait. Yeah. But
1: that's yeah, I
0: go, you're gonna play with tempo, right? And that's what OU does. That's what Levy does. And I certainly think it can be a weapon. Like if you can get drives going and you can keep Tavondre Sweat out there, that's a big dude, man. 360 pounds. It's it's really hard for a guy that size to play seven plays in a row. Mm-hmm. But I do think there will be some advantages to slowing down at some points and and here's why. When you are when you're game planning, right? You think okay, what schemes work well against their schemes? But you also have to think about matchups. And I'm talking about the offensive line in the run game. You got to think about matchups. You need to do what you have to do to get double teams on the guys you can move at the point of attack to create space in the running game. And a lot of people call them alert runs, right? Hey, we're going to run counter at the three technique, right? So we can get a good, solid double team and move his ass. Hey, we're going to run zone to the shade so we can stretch him and we can get a backside double team on the backside of it and cave that, right? And ride that wave on the backside like OU wants to. They At some point, they've got to slow down and create those matchups. I hope they do it, at least. But Wyoming ran it on them. Now, they had a long, long touchdown run that skewed some of the statistics, and it's just Anthony Hill, the freshman linebacker. By the way, I hope they play him as much as possible at inside backer. That guy is lost. He's He's an incredible athlete. He's but, going to
1: be good in a year or two. But right now, if, when he's in there, you've got to attack that dude.
0: No doubt. No doubt. But I know that was a lot on the run game, but I I don't think this should not be a game, right? If, the, if OU's offensive line does what they need to do at the point of attack, if they're patient on their double teams, if they play with good pad levels and physicality, there should not be a bunch of zero and negative yard runs in this game. There just shouldn't. That's where yeah. I'm at with it.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, um. I think this is one of those games. I hope that we have success with the bubble stuff on the outside, um, because I feel like this is a game that you know, if you can get sweat out there on the field, and then pester him with snaps where all he's doing is chasing the football somewhere, right? Instead of going right at him and letting him get going and feel like he's he's uh you know a big influence on the football game. You let those big guys make some plays early and they feel like they're gonna get the stats going it can be they can be hell on wheels. So I think we frustrate the interior by attacking the edges and but I'm with you like even in our like the traditional stuff that we've seen this year. I think there's some some plenty of uh, room to be had in there. I And I think we can take advantage of the fact that their backers play soft. I mean, we should be able to – it may not be sexy. It may be three, four, five yards a carry up on the inside. But to me, like if we can do that and get into some good down-and-distance uh third downs keep the keep the chains moving that's ultimately where we want to be in this game
0: yeah and also Dylan Gabriel his legs and how he can add to the run game and really how he can add just kind of holding some of those backside defenders right just staring at him looking like okay am I going to pull it that's going to be part of it as well but yeah I I think they can run it efficiently I'm not expecting a bunch of massive chunk runs we just haven't seen that but I'll be disappointed if they can't get it going a little bit past game thoughts. I, I kind of think the tackles just have to have to live on an Island in this game. You have to sure up the interior. I, I think sweat and Murphy are their best pass rushers in the interior. Alfred Collins. He, he can get going. He's got some length. It's, it's a difficult matchup for an interior guy, but, As much as possible, just let Rouse and Guyton live on an island. right? I I think we have an advantage in pass protection. Our offensive tackles versus their defensive ends. 91, Ethan Burke, great effort player. Looks like he's got some long arms, but Baron Sorrell, these guys are good players. They're not premier pass rushers. You have to win those battles in pass protection if you're Rouse and Guyton and Sweat's an improved pass rusher in the interior. I, I think Murphy's their best guy. I think he's the toughest matchup, right? I, li- I like his quickness. He's violent with his hands. He's got moves. But, and I swear to God, if an offensive lineman for OU gets their hands slapped down on sweats, stupid little knock down the hands and then club you move, I'm going to lose my mind. Just flash your hands. He'll throw it and it'll be over. Just do it. But they are, they, when you watch him, it's not a, it's not a group that really jumps off the tape as pass rushers, especially the edge guys, Ted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it can be tough whenever, you know, you're in that true three, four look to get to an edge in the passing game. Um, So curious to see what they, I mean, I'm sure we'll see a bunch of different fronts, but what they major in, Um, I feel like that's kind of been a, a really nice strength for us. Our offensive line in pass protection, um, you know, I I kind of feel like our best personnel grouping, perhaps, even maybe to run the football, is going to be four wide stuff. Yeah. You know, if we go four wide with wide splits from from those guys, from those four guys, and they've got to really separate their safeties and we can create some space on the interior and and slow down the safeties getting to the core to help in the run game, I think that that's going to help a lot, and it also makes it difficult on a on a defensive coordinator as good as Dylan Gabriel is with his legs. And you've got four really good receivers out there; it it can be tough. Like you, you may end up in a spot where Dylan Gabriel is able to just sit back there and, and without any pressure, if we can protect. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you.
0: I think. You have to have explosive plays in the passing game, or else you're gonna lose. Despite what you think of Quid Yours, Ted, Texas gonna have some. No, oh, they will. Right? Sarkeesian, Sarkeesian's a fantastic play designer, and they got dudes at wide receiver. It it's hard to believe that this is the right, this is the game that OU's run game really kicks it into gear. So I'm this is where I'm at with it. Dylan Gabriel. He's got to be the best player on the field. This is the most important game of his life. It's the biggest stage he's ever played on. He's got to be great. If he's not great, OU's not going to win. Now, some some pass game thoughts. I really like Jalen Catalan as a player, as a safety. Dude As a tone setter. He's ultra aggressive. Double, double move him. Design some things to double move him. And I think that I, I think you could probably be able to get him once or twice on something. And if you get him, you got to connect on it, right? This can't be one where, oh, Farouk's hit him with the slant and go, he's running wide open down the field and it's off the fingertips. We can't have that. Got to connect on those plays. Uh, I think 28, Jaron Thompson, I think he's the least athletic guy back there in that secondary at the safety spot. I know Levy will have stuff to attack him, right, to make him cover. I think safety is where is their biggest weakness in the passing game. That being said, Ryan Watts, the corner, number six. The dude is enormous. Looks like a linebacker playing corner. I mean, he's huge. Let's see if he can run with Andrew Anthony a few times. I mean, you just got to try it. I mean, he's enormous. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you have to take those shots, and you got to connect on a lot of them. Right, and everyone's got to make plays. Anthony, Farouk, Anderson, Gibson, Stoops, Freeman—like the, all these guys—they got to make plays. You can't drop passes. You can't drop key third downs. Like that's the thing with me offensively—is there? It's not going to be perfect, but it's got to be as clean as it can be because this is a really good defense, and that offense on the other side is an explosive play waiting to happen. So you don't want to put too much pressure on yourself as an offense, but you know, like, hey, it, it's we got to give them the best we got because yeah. it's by far the best team they played.
1: I agree, and uh, that's one of the reasons that I'm so happy that Dylan Gabriel played what I think is his best game as a Sooner the week before because I I still like our matchups at wide receiver for him to throw it up and let guys go make plays. They're going to look covered, but push it down the field and let those guys go make some plays like he's done. Um, I, yeah, I, I feel good about it. You know, I, this defense is more talented. They're not. So it's interesting. I, so like last week against Iowa State, Iowa State is a more disciplined, detailed defense. They're not as talented as Texas. Texas has maybe some more individual players that can make really nice plays on you, but I I feel like we should be able to to take advantage of the good matchups that we do have and like you said, use some of their aggressiveness against them. Um you know, find there are some weaknesses in the defense personnel-wise. Find those and exploit them. I think we can have a pretty successful day. Now, what is successful look like? It depends what style of football game we play. I, I personally believe it's going to be a low-scoring game. I do. What's the the over-under is, I think, 66, something like that. I would take the under. But who knows? It could, could turn into a track meet. Um And... I guess that's the thing with, with two evenly matched teams. You just, you're not sure what style of game you're going to get.
0: Yeah. I think, I I think the Sooners have to get the 30 to win like 31, 28, something kind of like that. But a few more thoughts have to be the OU's offensive line. You got to be ready for twists in the bear front and Iowa state. They hit, they hit OU on a double mug, so two backers standing up in the A gap, right? They they got him with the pressure, where the the backer standing up in the A gap went and picked the left guard, the defensive tackle that was lined up over the left guard, then looped and created, so it was the running back one on one with the defensive lineman, and neither guy got blocked, right? It they they were uh, Everett in the running back did not handle it well. I guarantee you, Texas is going to make sure that they've got that sorted out. You're going to see that. And I will lose my mind if they don't pass it off correctly. Just point that just what that's what that's way in the weeds, but I just, I'm going to lose it if they don't bump it off. You got anything else? I know that was a lot, both sides
1: of the ball. Well, here's the thing. When you have a game that, appears to be really evenly matched. Uh, two good offenses are both going to be going up against good defenses. This football game ultimately will be won in special teams. It's It can be something obvious like a missed or made field goal, but most likely it's going to come down to the less obvious things like field position. Penalties, um, I. Th- that's that's what's going to happen here. I mean, I, I fully believe it. Like, we were talking Monday night about that the Superman play way back in 2001. That was a special teams play that created that, right? A field goal punt that was mistakenly fielded inside the five-yard line by Texas. That was what lost them the game, and that's what won us the game. In my opinion, that's what this game is going to come down to, is who makes the special teams the big explosive play or the critical mistake.
0: It's almost as if you and OKC Cool Ranchers are sharing a brain. (laughs) Because let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys the number one thing you're watching for in OU Texas. OKC Cool Ranchers said special teams. OU has blocked two punts and taken one back to the house, which in this game usually leads to a win field position is also incredibly important. So kicking and punting game need to be terrific. Is this your burner Ted? No, no. I wish,
1: I wish, well, I don't know. I, here's the thing. We've, we've made big plays in the, in the, like the punt block, right? But it was a mistake. We got a safety instead of a touchdown. That could be the difference in this game. We also kicked the ball out of bounds. We made some plays, but we left a lot out there. And in a game where you're evenly matched, there's no margin for error. Those those little mistakes can end up being the, the thing that gets you beat. So while we've had some really good stuff, we've also had some some big missed opportunities that have been thrown in there. Go back to the Cincinnati game. You know, there's some mistakes in special teams there. We um, let a punt hit the ground, whatever we could. Like, there was was a lot of lost yardage in, in that game as well. We've got to tighten that stuff up.
0: Can't miss field goals. Can't shake punts. Can't blast punts through the end zone. Can't give up big returns. Texas is the team that needs to make those mistakes. And I'll keep saying this. If OU makes those type of mistakes, they're going to lose the football game. Right. So I, I'm i with you, man. This other one comes from Local Yokel, who said, Can OU get stops on their side of the 50 on third and fourth down? Keeping Texas to three or no points will swing this game for OU. I, red zone defense is going to be huge. And one thing to note, Burt Auburn, their kicker, not hitting it well coming into this one. Yeah. So if you can force field goals, especially long field goals, then you got to like your chances,
1: man. Yeah. And and that is oddly one of the, the bigger uh, question marks, I guess, with this Texas team, the offense. Once they cross like the 40-yard line, they become less and less effective. Our defense, once we get inside our own forty yard line, we become more and more effective. That's going to be an interesting little balance there to see what statistic holds. Who who holds? Does the defense for Oklahoma hold and continue to be really good as they get closer to the goal line? Or, you know, does Texas kind of, you know, punch through and get over some of their problems that they've had and be able to create in that area?
0: Yep. It's going to be fun, man. Most wonderful week of the year. All right, let's learn learn a little bit more about the Longhorns from Fozzie Whitaker. But first, Riverwind's Casino is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino. But it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack. Blackjack, match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of October, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best.
1: Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide $0.10 per gallon discount on gas and auto-diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop $0.10 per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals that can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save $0.10 per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you get your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And, of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amori. He did it! (laughs) Yes,
0: he did it! I love you. And don't forget to celebrate with a Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Ale Aleworks. Named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across own Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Ale Aleworks. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletics events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. All right, here's our man, Fozzie Whitaker. It is our pleasure to be joined by a former Texas Longhorn running back. He's a Texas great. Also spent a long time in the National Football League. Fozzie Whitaker is in the house. I forgot Longhorn Network, man. Dang it. That's my bad. Longhorn (laughs) Network also. What's up, Foz?
2: What is going on, fellas, man? I appreciate you all having me on. How about this? This is the first time these two teams have been ranked 5 and 0 since 2011. Gabe, you and I were there. How about that? How crazy is that? R- remind me, how'd that one go? We won't talk about the score,
3: <laughs> but I did
2: score. <laughs> I will say that. I did score. You did. We won't talk about the overall score. <laughs>
0: now, let's start there. Faz right? We've got, you know, Texas coming into this one, arguably the best team in the country. OU playing much better football than they did a year ago, right? Really good football team. I mean, how cool is it that this game feels, I don't know, as big as it does? as It feels big like it should,
2: mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I'm reminded of the 2008 season. Obviously, both teams were undefeated. Both teams were ranked in the top five back in 2008. But it was like a for sure showcase of whoever won that game was most likely going to go play and compete for a a national championship. And obviously, Texas won but didn't play for the national championship. Oklahoma went on and played for the national championship against that Florida team. But both of those teams – were truly special in and of themselves and had truly special seasons. I think this game has the culmination and the makings of that type of atmosphere and environment around the fairgrounds. Obviously, both of these teams being ranked in the top 12, both undefeated have great teams, right? The defense is playing lights out for both of the teams. Offense is playing lights out. Both quarterbacks look really good. It'll be a nice duel to see both of them go head to head for the first time and healthy uh, because that was the issue last year. But ultimately, uh, it it has the makings of whichever team comes out on top of this game most likely goes on to win the Big 12 and compete in the CFP and and possibly compete and play for national championship.
1: What's been the difference, you know, just big picture uh, under Sark, I mean, you guys have always recruited well. The roster's always had a bunch of really talented guys. Mm-hmm. What's different under Sarkeesian? that's got this thing to really, it feels like all come together at the right time?
2: I think ultimately it stems down to what he's done in the trenches. And, and I know both of you guys can appreciate this, but Sarkeesian and the development and the recruiting talent that he's brought in at the offensive line position has been an unbelievable transformation. This is year number three for Steve Sarkeesian. And I don't know if I could have predicted the success at the offensive line position that he's had. And some of the guys, that he inherited, he's made into much better offensive linemen. I'm talking about Christian Jones in particular. Kyle Flood has done a phenomenal job being able to develop him. He was a left tackle, struggled at being a left tackle, moved on the right tackle, had a phenomenal season last year, and this year is picking up right where he left off. Brought in five-star DJ Campbell, brought in five-star, high four-star Kelvin Banks Jr., who was a freshman All-American a season ago. Cole Hudson, another young guy that came in, played a lot. Hayden Connor was another younger guy that hadn't had much reps prior to Sarkeesian implementing him into that starting role. Uh, And man, you have a formidable five, six offensive lineman that can go into rotation and absolutely compete against some of the best D lines across the country. And where that really hit home for me was in the first two weeks of the season. And it was kind of weird because rice was able to get pressure and force three sacks against that Texas offensive lineman. I don't know if it was the jitters or whatever it was, but it was the same starting five from a season ago. And rice did some things defensively from a schematic standpoint that they hadn't necessarily showed on film. You got seven, eight months to prepare for your season opener. So they did a few different things that, that put that Texas O line on their heels but then you come back the very next week playing Tuscaloosa, don't have a procedural penalty with 100,000 fans. So no false starts, none of those pre-snap penalties, and then did not give up one sack to that vaunted defensive line at Alabama. And I think that was truly the turning point of where the development of why this team looks different underneath Sark is because he's been able to put an investment in the offensive line that Texas has not seen since the 2005-2004 Rose Bowl and National Championship Texas team that put multiple offensive linemen into the NFL draft. I mean, since that time, Texas has had Sam Cosme and Connor Williams as Texas O linemen that have been drafted and drafted fairly highly as both of those guys win the second round since then. It's been a drought, and so that's where Texas is starting to flip the script, and Steve Sarkeesian's been at the forefront with the level of talent and the size of the human beings that he's been able to recruit up front in the O-line.
0: Big humans. It's always good to have big humans. I say it all the time, Foz. <laughs> now, looking at this offense for the Longhorns, how much improvement have you seen from Quinn Ewers? What, what's really stood out about him this season to you?
2: Yeah, Quinn has been really special this year. One thing that obviously stands out, if you're just looking at the superficial statistics, he hasn't thrown interceptions, right? He threw his first one against Kansas right at the end of the second quarter, trying to push it, get points going into halftime. That was his first pick. He's thrown nine touchdowns to that one interception, but all four games prior to Kansas this past weekend, He's been clean as, as far as taking care of the football, creating opportunities for his receivers to make plays, and then understanding hey, if the receiver's not open and if my checkdown's not there, I'm going to go ahead and tuck it and I'm going to run and go get me some yardage or possibly score a touchdown. And he has four rushing touchdowns on the season to date as of now. Put some on place. I know weird stat don't even actually take anything of this but puts him on pace right now to have more rushing touchdowns in a season than Vince Young did back in 2005 right that's crazy right he's no Vince Young that is that is crazy to think about it's like right. oh you were Vince oh, Young but oh, right. uh, dude I'll give him credit yes the
0: the one against Kansas right early mm-hmm. I mean he looks
1: he doesn't look slow. You, you can't just play man, man coverage and yeah, turn your back to him and not even
2: think about it. Absolutely. The the, the craziest thing, is, and once you all go back, after I say this, you all look at it and laugh. The craziest thing is almost every Russian touchdown that he's had, he tries to kick it into like an extra gear and like almost has a, like a mini stumble. And <laughs> like he catches his balance and like finishes the run. He did it against Baylor where he breaks off the the 29 yarder, but like stumbles halfway before he like gets into the end zone. He did it against Kansas trying to run the bootleg and like the defensive lineman is trying to chase after him. His very first rushing touchdown off the zone read beginning of the season against rice. He like stumbles going into the end zone. So I'm not quite sure what's going on with the stumble thing that he has going on, but it, it's worked for him, obviously, and it's kept this offense on track as far as staying ahead of the sticks and obviously putting up points. But uh, along with him utilizing his legs, the leadership capabilities that he's been able to become, that, that vocal leader as well as that passionate leader and the one that's showcasing himself on the field, he's playing with a lot more confidence and a lot more freedom uh, and is starting to show in his game. Last year, uh, this was a guy that was still learning plays on the go. This was a guy that was still getting nervous as his first time being a true starter. And this was a guy that was getting confused by a lot of of what the defense was was giving him, especially on pre-snap plays or if they were disguising coverages. Uh he, he was he was lost. The game was moving too fast for him. This year I see him more comfortable and confident in the pocket. I see him taking the strides in the offseason to become that vocal leader. You don't have Roshan Johnson being there to to talk everybody up. You don't have Bijan Robinson to be able to rely on whenever it's third and seven. Okay. Let me just get it to him. He'll find a way to go get eight yards. You don't have that anymore. So now Quinn has had to be thrust into that role and he's accepted it. He's changed his body type. He's cut off his beard. He's cut off his mullet. Uh, he, he's cut out Chick-fil-A. I don't know how you can do that. Chick Fil A? You cut out Chick Fil A. That's that's a man that's possessed right now, uh, and he's playing like it. But uh, it's obviously equated to him being a, a different person, feeling more confident about himself, and, and that's been able to to show and the development that he's been able to create in the chemistry with his receivers uh, week in and week out so far.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great receiving core. Really, all the skilled guys. Um, you know, whenever you put everyone together, it's a really talented group. Um, Jatavian Sanders, you know, maybe the the most difficult matchup of everyone. Uh What's the update? You think on him? Do you think he's going to try and go? How bad was that ankle? And like, what is it about him in that offense that they've been able to really create some mismatches and get him the ball and and uh, take advantage of some people?
2: Yeah, Jatavian Sanders is an unbelievable athlete. How about I got another nugget for you all? Jatavian Sanders has had two. 100 yard games can you all name the last tight end to have 200 yard games in a big 12 season
0: mark andrews
2: there he is mark andrews mark andrews so jatavian sanders is putting up mark andrews type numbers uh with what he's been able to do now at the same time jatavian sanders you talked about it the injury that he had the the ankle sprain the high ankle sprain uh, Sark talked about it on Monday. He's listed as day to day. Uh, he's going to have a better update of where Jatavian Sanders is on tomorrow. So hopefully, in his press conference, we get a little bit more insight because obviously that makes a huge difference on on what Oklahoma does in order to prepare for what type of offense they expect to see. Jatavian Sanders is a mismatch nightmare, right? Do you put a safety on him? Uh, I don't know. Some safeties can't run as fast as he can. Do you put a corner on him? Corners usually aren't big enough to be able to defend him. Do you put a linebacker on him? Now, Jatavian Sanders will run circles around most linebackers in the college landscape right now. So it really makes it hard to be able to defend a guy like him, at least from a one on one perspective. And then if you try to bracket him well, you still got guys like I say, if you're worthy and Adonai Mitchell on the outside that can make you pay, especially on one on one deep ball shot. So it, it makes it a tough matchup, but if he's not there and he's, if he's not healthy enough to go, which in my mind, I think if there was one game, he'd be able to, to try to play it. It'd be this one for sure. Wrap it up, get, get whatever pills you got to take, whatever shots you got to get, right. You, you got to be able to, to, to be as effective as possible because you bring something different to the table that not everybody else on the roster can do gunner helm and no offense to gunner helm He's not Jatavian Sanders. He doesn't provide the same mismatches that Jatavian Sanders brings to the table. And so if you have a healthy Jatavian Sanders or at least 80% Jatavian Sanders, that still provides that that idea that, okay, this guy, if, if you forget about him, he'll still make you pay in a big way. So um, we'll see what that update is from Coach Sark on, on tomorrow, if, if that'll be something that uh, will allow him to be able to play through and fight through. Uh, but at the same time, man, his value and his presence is, is one that is felt and obviously utilized in a big way as he's had two 100 yard games so far this season. And, and Quinn Ewers kind of security blanket whenever he needs to find that go to guy on third down.
0: If if he plays, that dude is a mutant because that clip of him getting rolled up. Oh my That's- gosh. <laughs>
2: I, it, it's it's amazing that the only thing that came out of that, at least what we were told, was it was an ankle sprain. And I was like, wait a minute. A dude just came out with a hurt ankle, like his knee was not like mutilated. <laughs> like, hey, he not, like- not all athletes are created equal, Foz. Yeah, that that guy, uh, <laughs> that guy's a special
0: athlete. Now, uh, kind of wrapping up the offense for the Longhorns, the running back situation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I know you you're watching that position closely all the time, for Texas. Jonathan Brooks—he's he's emerged as the guy. Like, what what have you seen from that group as a whole?
2: You know, it, it's been interesting because Jonathan Brooks ha, has taken the reins and, and really run away with it in his performances over the past couple of weeks. But the the mindset that Jonathan Brooks had to have, right? Whenever you come into the season, you're already thinking, okay, no Bijan—he's playing for the Falcons. No Roshan. he's playing for the Bears. I've been behind these guys for two seasons. Like in any time that they were out of the game a season ago, I usually came in, I did well, also produce at a a high level. Whenever I had my opportunities, you look at it, you're like, okay, I'm probably going to be the starter coming into the season. And lo and behold, Rice comes around week number one. And CJ Baxter is the one that gets the start. Who's the five-star highly talented running back out of Florida. Don't get me wrong. CJ Baxter is a really good back, but Jonathan Brooks probably felt slighted in some sort of way that he wasn't the guy off rip because of what he had been able to show the past two seasons. And then having just that older kind of mindset about being the, the most senior running back within the room with the opportunity to be in every down back, right? Keelan Robinson's the oldest, but Jonathan Brooks probably is is viewed as the every down back if you think about how Steve Sarkeesian likes to run his offense. So I bet he felt a little bit slighted from the way that he was, uh, I guess, treated or utilized within that first week in preparation against Rice. And then obviously C.J. Baxter goes down. Jonathan Brooks steps in uh, against Rice and then plays against Alabama and then boom, he's off to the races, Wyoming, Baylor, Kansas, this dude put hundred yards, hundred yards, and then 200 yards stacking them back to back to back. And man, he's on pace to have one of the Deontay Foreman type seasons Deontay Foreman his last year, he rushed for, I want to say through four games, he had rushed for almost 600 yards uh, and ended up finishing over 2000 yards over the course of that 2018 season. Jonathan Brooks' pace is right on par with what Deontay Foreman was doing and a slightly average higher than what Bijan did a year ago, which is insane to say that because nobody had the expectations for a guy like Jonathan Brooks to be able to produce on this level. That was going to be the big question mark of, who's going to replace that type of production and talent that they had at the running back position. And I think Jonathan Brooks has answered that in a, in a major way, uh, but it's not only him, CJ Baxter's done a phenomenal job, stepping in, getting some good carries as a true freshman, Jaden blue. He's come in, showed some flashes as well. He's a lot more shifty. Savion Red, another guy that gets minimal carries but makes a major impact. I mean, Texas might not win that Wyoming game in the way that they wanted if they didn't have Savion Red in that Wildcat formation converting on two fourth downs uh, late in the game to be able to extend the drive. Um, so you got guys like that. And then Keelan Robinson, like I mentioned, he's the all everything. He comes in, he pass pros, he's out in the receivers. Uh, he's returning kicks. He's blocking kicks. He's on every special teams. Uh, he's kind of the, the new age Roshan Johnson of what Roshan did a season ago. Uh, just maybe not as big, but is definitely faster. So uh, the utilization of all the running backs in general, man, they, they've been utilized very well. Uh, spearheaded by the performances that Jonathan Brooks has been able to put together week after week on a consistent basis.
1: How about defensively? What, what stood out to you uh, so far this season for, for Texas? And what do you think perhaps the game plan is going to be to slow down Dylan Gabriel?
2: You know, the, the biggest thing that stood out to me was how was this defensive line going to be? You lose two, Fifth year seniors. That was all everything with them. Snacks. Adrian. Uh, I mean, Keandre Colburn, as well as uh, Moro Ojimo. That they, they're both playing in the NFL right now. But they were a major part of the success that Texas had faced a season ago. And number one, stopping the run, and also getting after the passer. Tavondre Sweat has been there for some years. Byron Murphy's been there for a couple of years as well but they hadn't necessarily proven that they can be kind of your your every down or every first, second down type of rotational players from a first quarter through fourth quarter consistent basis. Uh, And I think they've had a really big impact on why Texas's defense looks the way that it looks right now, Uh, along with Vernon Broaden and Alfred Collins coming on very strong. That D-line has picked up where they left off, even though they've lost a lot of talent a season ago. They've picked up where they left off and been able to provide a, a really good boost to where this Texas front can be. Uh, and then you, you implement some newer faces into there. You, Ethan Burke, first year starting uh, as that weak side DN, uh, has created a couple sacks and some TFLs and, and probably wasn't expected. He doesn't look the most athletically gifted but whenever he steps on the field, he produces as if he he's, he, he has his hair on fire. Uh, you look at Anthony Hill Jr., uh, another young guy, true freshman uh, from the Den Ryan that's been able to make plays week in and week out and playing in kind of the most valuable moments of a game. I mean, he's in there whenever Texas is deadlocked with Alabama in week number two as a true freshman Making plays and he he gets a, a critical sack against Jalen Milrow that helped seal the deal for that game. But he's in there whenever the game is on the line. And that goes to show you the type of trust that Sark and the defensive coordinator Pete Kokowski has in a guy like him. Uh and, and utilizing what those two do well, along with a, a combination, a mixture of a lot of guys rolling in, creating depth on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, this defense ha- has been pleasantly surprising and uh, in- in creating takeaways and being able to apply pressure on the quarterback. And with that being said, Dylan Gabriel provides a completely different monster than this Texas defense has seen. Right. They saw a running threat with Jalen Monroe. They saw a little bit of a running threat in Jason Bean as well. But Dylan Gabriel, whenever he escapes out of the pocket, he's not necessarily looking to run unless he has to. He keeps his he keeps his eyes downfield and creates for an opportunity to be able to get Drake Stoops or Jalil Farouk or Nick Anderson back at the end zone for a touchdown. And that's something that Texas hasn't necessarily seen. A veteran-style quarterback. That can do it all. Dylan Gabriel has been playing, in my opinion, at the top of his game, right? He leads the conference in almost every statistical category, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions, also added in some Russian touchdowns as well uh, he's been really confident. A bad game, in my opinion, for Dylan Gabriel is having eight incompletions, right? He, if he has eight incompletions, everybody's like, man, what's going on, right? We need to see Jackson Arnold. Uh, but that just goes to show you uh, the testament of him being able to be in combination and lockstep with what coach Levy wants to be able to call that tempo. That's a real thing, right? Texas hasn't faced uh, an offense that runs the tempo style offense in the way that Oklahoma does. And it's been a staple at Oklahoma, right? You get up on them real quick. And then five seconds later, you're back on the ball running another play and trying to find the subs on the defensive sides of the ball creates mismatch opportunities. It also creates penalties uh, and, and it's really tough to defend. And you can't really simulate that in practice because nobody really goes that fast. The only two teams typically that play like that is Oregon and Oklahoma, or at least who have success playing like that is Oregon and Oklahoma. And so you don't see it regularly. And that's something that this Texas defense have to prepare for, but you have to always keep a spy on Dylan Gabriel, because like I said, he will hurt you with his legs. Uh, And then at the same time, you got to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. And that's something that Sark talks about is having fanatical effort. If he turns on the tape and, and for the defensive side in particular, If somebody isn't giving great effort, they talk about it after every single game. He said that's the first thing they do in team meeting is turn on the tape and they point out guys that gave fanatical effort and guys that didn't before they even talk about the X's and O's. So that's something that you're going to have to have. And if you're playing against a guy that can create and make plays and scramble in the pocket the way that Dylan Gabriel does, um, you got to have integrity in the rush lanes to be able to try to collapse the pocket on top of them. Uh, but at the end of the day, I expect Dylan Gabriel to get his. Um, and honestly, it's going to come down to the team that that commits the least amount of turnovers, who makes the least amount of mistakes. And, and right now, both of these defenses are really good at taking the ball away with Oklahoma, I believe having 10 interceptions, which leads to league uh, in Texas. I want to say it's, it's at seven interceptions, uh, which is at top three in the league uh, and, and, and take away. So these two teams on the defensive side know how to turn the ball over and, and force those turnovers, which one is going to be the one that can do it on a consistent basis, or whenever the game is on the line, that's the one that will probably come out on top.
0: All right, Foz, how do you see this one going, man?
2: You know, it's very tricky. And I know, Gabe, you and I talked about this uh, uh, the other day, too. It was like back in 2009, we saw high-powered offenses between both of them probably expectations was the game was going to be similar to to what it was in 2008, where it was a 45-35 shootout going back and forth between the two teams. And it was a 16-13 to 13 game. It was like, wait a minute, we got two top five offenses in the country and only, what, 29 points were scored between the two? Like, how is that even a thing? Uh, I don't expect that to be the case this time. Both defenses are playing lights out. Uh, but I think, Each offense provides something unique and peculiar about themselves that makes this a high scoring game. I believe Texas, if I put a score on it, probably will win 38 to 34. Uh, I, I think it's one of those close matchups before last year. The previous eight Red River rivalry games were decided by eight points or less. And last year was an anomaly. We know Dylan Gabriel not being able to play. We, we kind of throw that out from a standpoint of of what this game actually means and has been in the history of the rivalry between these two teams. But over the before that, eight years straight, it was decided by eight points or less. So I think it gets more back in alignment with that close style game. And my score at the moment probably is a 38-34 victory for Texas in this one.
0: Well, I hope you're wrong, <laughs> Foz. Hey, man, it's all—it's always fun catching up. It's the most wonderful week of the year, man. Appreciate you,
2: absolutely, fellas. I appreciate y'all having me on, man. Enjoy yourselves in Dallas as well.
0: Oh, you know we will.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: Fozzy thinks it's going to be a close game, and so do I. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with it as well. I hope he's wrong about who wins.
1: Yeah a lot of good info there um i i agree i think it's going to be incredibly close um you never know what you're going to get in this game but for whatever reason this one it, it's a nervous one it's there's a lot of tension i i think texas fans probably feel good about it but not great i think oklahoma fans probably feel good about it but not great um we'll see what happens it's going to be crazy
0: No doubt. All right, let's get to our previews for some of the other great games here in week six of college football. But first,
1: John Vance Auto Group has a deal for Oklahoma Breakdown listeners. Go to any of their nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie and tell them we sent you. They'll give you $500 off. That's $500 off just because you listened to this podcast. They've been serving Oklahomans for 40 years, family-owned and operated. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. Carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way. You can find all their information about their lifetime loyalty program, browse their entire inventory, and find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com.
0: And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They can pair and contrast trash covers offering and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com.
1: It's hunting time in Oklahoma, and if you're looking to buy hunting property, the Land Doctors can help you find the ideal ranch. They build custom hunting lodges and lakes and can turn Oklahoma's raw land into your personal playground. If you'd like to sell some land or simply just want to add to your portfolio, then give Colton Cole a call, 405-615-7645, or visit LandDoctors.com. Week six.
0: In college football, let's start in College Station. Number eleven, Alabama travels to take on Texas A&M. This will be the two thirty game on CBS. Bama is currently a two and a half point favorite, which Alabama is not favored by that few points, really ever, right? But I, I know it's early in the season. I know there's still a lot of games to be played. And there's going to be a whole lot of talent on the field there in College Station. But, Ted, to me, this one feels like an SEC West elimination game, right?
1: Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah, I I think, um, you know, A&M has been, since that early loss, has been cruising along. Uh, Offense looks like it's starting to get out of the mud a little bit, and they're creating some yards and some points. Um, Now they lost their starting quarterback, um, but – You know, there's, there's some signs of life right now, but the other thing is Alabama has been able to enjoy life outside of the spotlight a little bit after the loss to Texas and kind of how they responded in the next week. A lot of people have left Alabama for dead. And in my opinion, from what I've seen, it looks like they have really started to improve week by week.
0: I know. And I think. So when you look at what they're going to ask Jalen Milroe to do in this game, I really think it's going to be just, hey, man, take care of the ball. They're going to lean on the run game, right? They're going to let that massive O-line. That's going to be a hell of a battle. You talk about a bunch of big bodies going at it. That Bama O-line versus that A&M line My goodness, that's going to be fun. But really, lean on the run game. They're going to take a couple of their vertical shots, right? Because that's what Milroe does best as a passer like let that thing fly down the field and see if you can connect but I think they're going to want him to throw it like 15 times in this game now that may not exactly be what you're signing up at wide receiver when you go go to play wide receiver at Bama but hey you got to do what you got to do to win football games and if they can get into an offensive rhythm with Milrow then I expect Alabama to win this game. Now on the other side of things, right? Wegman goes down, but Max Johnson looked really solid against Arkansas. He's a guy that's played a lot of ball. He's a veteran backup. Uh, but this, this Bama defense is a completely different animal than what he saw from the hogs. So I, I like Alabama to win the game. Don't tell Texas a and infants fans. That's a really hard place to play. Maybe the most difficult place I ever played but i'm expecting a really good football game between these two teams
1: yeah i am too um i this is one of those that feels like maybe it, it's a, a similar maybe to OU and Texas that the game is actually going to be won or lost kind of in the margins on on like mistakes or penalties or special teams gaffs or or explosives like outside of like your traditional offensive defense something is going to have a big influence on the game
0: right and that's I, I think AM has to get those breaks or they're going to get beat by a touchdown plus because you think about that Arkansas game pick six had a punt return for a touchdown so they I, I think I, I'm with you, man. I think the Aggies are going to have to have a few of those things happen for them to walk away with the win. But I don't think it's going to happen. I'm with you. I think Bama's getting a lot better week by week. I think O they're they're doing a better job offensively of building the offense around his skill set and not asking him to do too much. And let's not forget, in this stuff, It I know it was two years ago, but last time Bama went down there, they got beat. Yeah. And you know Sabin is bringing that up. Like, hey, we owe these guys one. So, ton of talent on the field. Going to be fun to watch. I expect the Crimson Tide to win, though.
1: Yeah, Nope. I, I agree. It does feel like A&M typically plays one of their best games of the year against Alabama, though, doesn't it? I no mean, doubt. There's something there, whether it's just they've circled it and – that's the type of week of practice and effort that they get from everyone or, you know, I, Jimbo Fisher's got a good understanding and Nick Saban coached for him. Uh, so I, I don't know what it is, but they usually have a good game plan and get a lot out of their guys on this week.
0: Is this the game that Jimbo Fisher undresses Bobby Petrino? We can maybe. only hope
1: <laughs> maybe or the other way around. Bobby Petrino may go after Jimbo Fisher.
0: Yeah. Who knows? All right, the other game I wanted to hit, number 20 Kentucky traveling to take on number one Georgia. This will be 6 p.m. Central on ESPN. Georgia's a 14 and a half point favorite. This is going if you like physical football, this is the game for you. Man, that's a a little surprised by that spread, right? That's a big number with the way that Kentucky just looked against Florida.
1: I agree. Um I'm I'm just trying to figure out how bad Kentucky beats Georgia. I don't Whoa. know if it's going to be by a touchdown, I don't know if it's going to be by more than that. Yeah, it's I feel like they've got the the wrong sign in front of that 14 and a half for Georgia.
0: Okay, let's not be ridiculous, but and now we watched Ray Davis and Kentucky run through Florida's soul last weekend. And I don't think you can't out Georgia Georgia, right? Or we just haven't seen anyone do it over the last couple of years. They had a lot of success. Georgia gave up some stuff to Auburn last week in the running game, but yes, they did. It was perimeter stuff, and there, there were a lot of explosive QB runs. So I don't think Devin Leary's that type of guy. This is just going to all of a sudden become a zone read guy, taking it around the edge and ripping off 20, 30-yard runs. But, hey, you never know. This feels like it's just going to be a bar fight in between the tackles and made the may the tougher team win. It's going to yep. be ugly.
1: I can't wait. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I don't know. I I've I've sensed weakness with Georgia most of the year, and it's hard to tell if it's weakness or if it's, boredom you know with, well with how- they have they have not
0: looked good in their two sec games right right they didn't look great against south carolina and they had the scratch and claw to come away with the win at auburn last weekend i mean yep. they they're number one they should be number one but they have not looked like the dominant force that we've come to know there in athens
1: yeah and i, I think kentucky's a, a really good football team um And you can say what you want about Florida, and I understand that. But like that type of ass-whipping against uh, what's a pretty talented Florida team, just incredible. Now, they ain't going to do that to Georgia. Georgia's going to have way more fight than that, but I think they're going to have success running the ball. Georgia is, at least up to this point, maybe they're just sleepwalking, but this is not the same defense that we've seen from them where it's an absolute choke you out. Everything that you do. Uh, the the defensive line is a group that you just cannot move. Can't get through at all. Can't protect. It's, it does not look like that right now. So right. I'm taking Kentucky to go get the upset. Wow.
0: No faith in Carson Beck.
1: No. He
0: made some big throws in that Auburn game. I, I got to imagine Mark Stoops is going to do everything in his power to have a plan for Brock Bowers, though. My goodness. I, it's hard to – it's weird to see a tight end take over a game like that, but that's exactly what he did last week against Auburn. The guy is just a production machine. You got to have a
1: plan for him, right? I mean, come on. Make yeah. anyone else beat you. Make anyone else beat you. That's their That's their bailout on everything. They,
2: it's a good bailout.
1: Oh, it's an amazing bailout. We don't have a whole lot going. Just let's chuck it up to the tight end. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's one of those things where it's it sucks whenever you're defending and playing against a player of that caliber, but it's also good because like we know what we got to do this week to win the football game. That's have a plan for the tight end. Unlike Auburn, who had no plan for the tight end, shockingly. Or maybe they did and didn't execute, but I didn't look good. Whenever he, would he have eight catches for almost two bills against him? It was wild.
0: Dude was running wide open sometimes. I was just like, how does that happen? How? It. I don't know. I don't know how stuff like that happens. You defensive guys, I just don't understand you sometimes. I, I think Georgia wins the game. I think that crowd is going to be rolling. But no chance I would lay 14 and a half in that game. Just no way. That's, I just don't see Georgia dominating Kentucky like that. But maybe this is the first time where it's like, oh, damn, Georgia looks like Georgia. Yeah. It could, that, that could be the case here. Any other games that interest you? We've got K State going to Stillwater on a Friday night. That game definitely interests me. I I think K state is going to dismantle Oklahoma state. Just going to go on the record.
1: I everything says that. Everything says that. And it's like it's it's easily the most likely scenario. They've had a little time to get have they what's Will Howard like right now? How's how's his health? Is he back? He's good. He's back good. He's good.
0: He played I mean he played through the ankle in their last football game, the UCF game, they got a bye. He's been resting. I expect him to look healthy.
1: Well, they should absolutely steamroll Oklahoma State. Everything says that. But I don't know for whatever reason, I've got that little that little feeling that Oklahoma State is just for whatever reason going to show up. I can't I can't quantify it. I can't explain it. I can't tell you that there's some matchup that they're going to take advantage of. I've got none of that other than some. And maybe this is like the old Gundy that I'm expecting. And the new Oklahoma state just doesn't have that gear anymore. I don't know. Everything says that Kansas state's going to steamroll them though. Just run the, this football is the nonstop. game.
0: Alan Bowman just lights it up. I don't think so. Give me K state in that one. Notre Dame. At Louisville, what's that? Number 10 Notre Dame at number 25, Louisville. Louisville's ranked. Hey, they're five and oh, but I don't think they're gonna hold up at the line of scrimmage. And sorry, Jack Plummer. I, I I don't think you and the the Louisville offense are gonna be able to do much against that Notre Dame defense. That Notre Dame defense is they're legit, man. They're playing at a very high
1: level. And I you have <laughs> Notre Dame may be the most battle hardened team in all of college football at the moment right with, yeah. with who they've had to play they've had to play some really difficult opponents and it's going to continue for them but i i feel like notre Dame is going to get it done
0: we've also got number 13 washington state at ucla ucla is a three and a half point favorite i mean did cameron ward die or something what am i missing here
1: It must be that huge home crowd that UCLA draws that can really turn the tables in a game. I
0: have (laughs) never. That is my only Rose Bowl experience. Right? I did. I was was still playing when OU played in the actual Rose Bowl against Georgia in that classic. I have never been more underwhelmed by a stadium in my entire life. Like the expectations I had coming in, it, it was an OU home game. It was ridiculous.
1: I, it has to have gotten better, as they've gotten better since then, right? But there ain't going to be 100,000 in there for that game, not yeah. with Washington State coming to town.
0: Yeah, with the UCLA defense has looked really good, but is Dante Moore and the Bruins' offense at the NBA able to keep pace with Cam Ward and the Cougars' offense? Eh, I have my doubts. But, yeah, I saw that number. I was like, what am I missing? What did the Ozmakers know that I don't
1: know? Washington State's on a mission this year, man. That's a good football team. I like their coach, Dickert. Yeah. Coach really well. That man's saying some stuff
0: with his chest in post-game press conferences, too.
1: He is. He is. All right, let's
0: finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, do you have difficulty sitting for long periods of time or can't lay on your side due to pain? Well, it's a hip thing, and the only person to go see is Dr. Brandon Johnson at the Hip Clinic in Oklahoma City. No matter your age, the Hip Clinic has the experience and knowledge to help ease your hip pain and preserve your hip joint. Don't let the pain hold you back any longer. Don't just accept a hip replacement. Call the Hip Clinic today at 844-KEEP-HIP or visit the com.
1: Head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter, toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game and with all the garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood.
0: Ambition McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. As always said, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week?
1: Uh... Achilles tendon uh, ruptures across the country because I don't know what the new surgery is. I don't know what, what has happened, but explain this to me, Gabe. A surgery that typically takes a year or more, and not very long ago, it was like a career ender. You're done. Achilles tendon rupture, Aaron Rodgers, plans to play this season can you explain to me what's happening I
0: I cannot
1: just install a steel cable to replace his Achilles tendon on the back of his leg
0: I don't know did you see the video of him walking around on with the crutches like it didn't look like he even needed the crutches and that only happened a couple weeks ago man that is that's not normal I where did he go? What German medical technology is he using? I wonder.
1: maybe he went to I don't I don't know where he went. Um he must have like an IV drip of stem cells going directly into his his Achilles area. I don't know because am I the only one this isn't a twenty three year old kid.
0: No, he's thirty nine.
1: A forty year old.
0: Oh, is he forty with, now? He's
1: forty well, I mean
0: Whatever People, he is, he's all, he, he's up there for he for NFL years. He's ancient.
1: Yeah, everyone else is like, well, you know, he plans to be back. You know, it depend. We'll see what the Jets are, what what position they're in, and if they need. It. I'm like, well, hang on a second. You're burying the lead here. He, we watched his Achilles tendon not stretch, pop, and rupture on television and the man's going to plans to play in the same season. That's to me, that's incredible. And it's, I don't know what they're doing, but it really is a sign of how good some of, some of the surgeries and things have gotten in the orthopedics in, in, in sports. That's crazy to think about.
0: Are you sure it's not just the ayahuasca?
1: No, the vibes, vibes, psychedelics, I'm I'm open to anything. I don't I, know what's going on.
0: Listen, I'm pretty much already bone on bone in my right shoulder. Aaron, let me know, man. Let me know what you're doing. I know tendons, like joints. I know it's different, but I want to know. Let me know. I just, I'm interested. <laughs> Dude, if he come if if he comes back and plays, how I have a few thoughts on it thoughts of it. It's like every guy ever is going to be asking what he did and that's going to become the new thing in medicine. Right? Maybe we all just need to center ourselves like Aaron Rodgers has or whatever. But if he comes back and plays after tearing his Achilles,
1: it it really, it changes everything, in my opinion. Everything. Let's let's see how mushrooms are trading right now in the commodities market. Maybe whenever an investment, yeah, there's going to be a big, a big spike in the psychedelic industry. I don't know what's going on, but I thought that that was, I thought it was just crazy that he's saying that and everyone's not like, what? No way it's possible. That's incredible. Um, And I'm here for it. I'd like to see it. I really would.
0: I would like to watch Aaron Rodgers play football this season. No doubt, but I don't want to watch does,
1: him tears Achilles tendon again, though.
0: I, I don't want to watch that again. And I'll say this. It's very similar. I'm kind of getting Adrian Peterson coming back from the ACL vibes from this whole thing. Yeah. Every other guy that tears his Achilles, everyone from now on, if Rodgers comes back and plays, they're going to be like, dude, you'll be back in three months. It's no big deal. You got it, man. Like, what?
1: <laughs> That's crazy.
0: All right, who do you have as your loser of the week?
1: I didn't know who who to like really specifically classify this one as, but um maybe it's maybe it's the Big 10, maybe it's college football. I don't know. Urban Meyer to Michigan State. What do you think about that?
0: It is
1: that real?
0: Like it was one of those things. It was one of those tweets where you see it and then you go straight to Google and you're like, "Okay, Urban Meyer Michigan State." and some things did pop
1: up yeah i don't know but i he can win football games right he can um what can he do in in this like it hasn't been that long since he left but since he left everything has changed i the big ten is like totally different um, the transfer portal, the NIL stuff—it's a new world, and I would say that his his uh, credibility has taken quite a hit, you know, as he jumped to the NFL. But I still think in college he can get it done. Um, but that's like a fascinating hire with all of the stuff that's happened to Michigan State recently, right? I mean, it—it's strange.
0: Yeah. So the latest update. I saw was from Bruce Feldman from the athletic who said that there is zero truth to it. Um, and remember Feldman works with him on big noon kickoff. So he asked, and here's the quote, uh, about the reports linking urban Meyer to the Michigan state head coaching job. I just checked with him. He said there is zero truth to it with him being a candidate for it. He has no interest in that. And he is happy with what he's doing now at Fox sports. Which do we believe urban Meyer? No, absolutely no. not. I don't care what he says, but we know Michigan state's willing to throw 10 mil at him. Right. I, I mean, they, they gave Mel Tucker nine and a half a year. Hell, they may throw 12 at him and urban well, I Meyer. I think he would crush it at Michigan
1: state. I do too. And I, he definitely wants to get back in i
0: there's the whole thing with his health and his family and i don't know he's probably making a boatload at fox but he does seem like the type of guy it's like hey people have forgotten how good i was let let me get back in and remind everyone one more time or something but dude you're making that much money do you really want to go to michigan state like he could go he can go somewhere better than that. No finch to East Lansing. It's a great place, but I mean, how many people would fire their coach for Urban Meyer? He could wait a couple months and go go to AM. I
1: don't think he'd want to go to AM. Maybe he would. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. Um I think I would I would I would say that if he comes back it would be a place like Michigan State. That I, I could be wrong. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking out of my ass here, but I don't think it's outlandish to consider Urban Meyer at Michigan State. I really don't.
0: No. I think it would work. I think Michigan and Ohio State would be pretty pissed. Especially Ohio State. They'd
1: be like, Really, man? I mean, really? That's kind of part of it. You know, for me, that, that's that's part of why he. I I think I could see him doing that. Is he wants to get back in the mix there, and especially the way things went in the NFL, and trying. And
0: that's a good the point. Way
1: he's remembered. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. Like that. That's not the. That's definitely not the way he wanted to go out. It was a disaster in Jacksonville. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes you think. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But
1: first, elevate your tailgate with Chapel Supply and Equipment in Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply and Equipment has generators and inverters on hand that will give you all the power you need so you could take your tailgate to the next level. They've also got top-of-the-line heaters to keep you warm during those cold tailgates later in the season. They're Oklahoma-owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405. or visit chapelsupply.com that's c-h-a-p-p-e-l-l-supply.com
0: and first fidelity bank knows how to keep fans like you happy with more than 50 awards in the last five years including forbes best in state bank the oklahoma's community choice awards and the journal records reader rankings it's clear that they are oklahoma's number one pick for quality banking and you can find that level of outstanding service in everything FFB offers. Open an account at an award-winning bank today at FFB.com. First Fidelity Bank. We go
1: where you go. And head to OpolisClothing.com for our podcast merchandise and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S Clothing.com. Use promo code TED T E D for 10% off. That's OpolisClothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off.
0: All right. For my winner of the week, thought about going with Jimmy Butler. That was hilarious. I mean,
3: <laughs> the hair,
0: the piercings that he rocked at heat media day. If you haven't seen it, go find it. Emo, Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I saw so many things. It was like the number one, one was like ball out boy, which was just fantastic.
1: Oh, that is funny. He does look like what's, what was that dude's name? I think he was the bass guitars. Uh, he just,
0: uh, he does man. something like this every year for media day for his headshot it's amazing he's fantastic what do he uh, he goes so I'm emo <laughs> like, it was so uh, It is so good man that's great that like it's it it's all about entertainment and I feel like Jimmy Butler gets that
1: right that was that was uh I that was funny yes Give it up hands F- down.
0: fantastic I'm but awesome. my winner of the week Ted it is October so what's that mean for me I started oh, watching Texas. baseball
1: Oh, okay.
0: (laughs) Let's start watching baseball. The Minnesota twins. The streak is over. They won a major league playoff baseball game for the first time in 19 years. They had lost 18 straight playoff games. It was the longest losing streak in men's professional sports in North America. When it comes to the playoffs, they beat the blue Jays three, one in game one of their AL wildcard series. And main reasons they won. Pablo Lopez's performance on the mound and Royce Lewis jacking two home runs. And I watched it all. It was great. I was reading up on Lewis. That guy's had a tough break, man. A few years back, he was the number one pick of the draft. Been banged up a ton towards ACL back-to-back years. Oh, I mean, just, so it was really cool to see him. And he's been banged up this season. I just came off a hammy injury. And for him to just, just be crushing homers, that had to feel great. It's awesome. Also the Blue Jays' blue jerseys are so sweet. Can't believe they lost in this.
1: That is That's crazy that he tore his ACL twice in baseball. It's not good. Like that is not a common injury in baseball, right? No. I mean, that's wild.
0: Yeah. But I'm but, glad he bounced hey.
1: back. It's also weird to lose 18 straight playoff games. That is crazy.
0: I agree with that. That is, it's quite odd to be able to pull that off. And happy for those players. Really happy for those fans. Like that had to feel so good.
1: It did. Finish the job. Yeah.
0: We'll see. We'll see. A lot of baseball to be played, but I'm dialed in, man. I'm dialed in here. Baseball casual, just arriving to the party. Once the playoffs arrive, (laughs) tell I roll baby. All right. For my loser of the week, I thought about going with, NFL fans in in New York and I guess New Jersey as well. How about this stat, Ted? There are two teams that have not run an offensive play with a lead this season in the National Football League. The first team, the New York Giants. The second team, the New York Jets. Neither team has run an offensive play with a lead through four weeks in the season. Giants are one and three. Remember, beat the Cardinals with a field goal. With like 19 seconds to go in that game in week two. And then the Jets are one and three. They won in overtime in the opener against the Bills on the punt return. Neither team at offensive snap with a lead. That's crazy.
1: It's crazy. And they've both won a football game. That's that's wild. <laughs> that's crazy.
0: At least Zach Wilson played pretty well.
1: He played great. He looked great. Yeah. He made He's the best quarterback really, in the game. Yeah. Made some really nice throws, but Oh. I feel I, bad for him. I feel I've bad got, for him. I've
0: got faith in Mahomes to uh figure it out. I think that guy's gonna be
1: just fine. Yeah. He'll be fine.
0: Yeah, and we uh d- if we just say Taylor Swift where will we get more downloads, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift. Swifties. Swifties, Swifties, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. We'll see, we'll see if the algorithm helps us out with what we just did there. <laughs> but my loser of the week. Iowa. Ouch. Yeah. Tuesday, Kurt Ferrance comes out, says that Cade McNamara's done for the year, torn ACL. I feel horrible for that young man. He went to Iowa to go show what he could do, right? He'd been kind of stuck behind J.J. McCarthy at Michigan. Had been playing hurt all year long with the quad, uh, coming out of training camp. Hadn't looked right, but to tear the knee up, in the what was that I think that was the first quarter of the Michigan State game. Yeah, it was. That's that's brutal, man. I I feel for him.
1: Yeah, and it's tough for him, obviously. You hate that. Maybe it's early enough to to still get a medical. I don't know how that's going to go. But um the more interesting thing is like where does Iowa go now? It's already an offense that has been struggling, and everyone knows that. Do you, are they going to find someone that maybe brings in a spark, or is it just going to be more of the same, or even worse for Iowa's offense?
0: Well, let me introduce you to Deacon Hill, Ted. Eleven to twenty-seven for one fifteen, a to touchdown and an interception in the win against Michigan
1: State. It's pretty good numbers for Iowa. <laughs>
0: McNamara going down, not going to help the drive to averaging twenty five for Brian Parents. They yeah, are. That, I was. That they are one.
1: They put up's not going to really counter that zero from last week. No,
0: they are currently one hundred and thirty first out of one hundred thirty three in total offense. They also, I think, bottom five in passing offense. They're averaging one hundred and thirty three passing yards a game. It's borderline unbelievable, dude, especially with how good their defense
1: is. I know, and they just – it's not like they haven't had players come through on that offense either, you know? They've had really good offensive linemen. They've always had good tight ends. It's crazy.
0: They got a bunch of guys banged up. I. This is something, when I saw this, I started thinking – because remember, the Big Ten's still divisions this season. Who the hell is coming out of the Big Ten West? Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Minnesota. Are any of these teams any good? No. Is Can we come to some type of compromise where Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State all just show up and they play some type of round-robin game as the Big Ten championship game, and whoever – Wins the most situation has been Big Ten champs. Can we do something creative like that? I have zero interest in seeing any of those teams play for a conference title,
1: like the the high school preseason scrimmage format.
0: Yes, exactly like that. Like each team gets a half against the other.
1: Yeah, that would be great.
0: <laughs> Aggregate <laughs> score would, wins.
1: That would actually be incredible, but um, unfortunately, we're going to have to watch a really good team absolutely destroy a very average team in the big 10 championship
0: only for this year though,
1: only for this year.
0: Okay. You ready? We have a record number of birthday shout outs. And Hey, there was a person that left us a three-star review because we forgot their birthday shout out. So apparently people really care about these and hopefully we write that wrong here. Here we go. Happy fourth birthday to Maverick.
1: Happy 5th birthday to Asher Clopton. Happy 5th birthday to Riker Ross. Happy 6th birthday to Jojo Forrest.
0: Happy 7th birthday to Rory Rittenauer. Happy
1: 7th birthday to Conrad Newman. Happy 7th birthday to Lynn Newman. Happy 8th birthday to Rylan Kinter. Happy 12th birthday to Maxwell Freeman. Happy 13th birthday to Bo Brunk.
0: Happy 13th birthday to Christian Coulter. Happy 18th birthday to
1: Callum Blackburn. Happy 23rd birthday to Kate Hilliard. Happy 23rd birthday to Maddie Ice McCabe. Happy 25th birthday to Jake Small. Happy 30th birthday to Taylor D-Train Otterbein. Happy 31st birthday to Dylan Calvert. Happy 33rd birthday to Michael Hutzel. Happy 35th birthday to Tyler Steele. Happy
0: 40th birthday to Justin Calvert. Happy 53rd birthday to Heart Mama Corlett. Corlette, Heart Mama Corlett. Corlette. Ha- I'm sorry, Heart Mama.
1: Happy 55th birthday to Susanna Lombrugo. Lombrugo.
0: Happy 67th birthday to Coach
1: Janelle. Happy 68th birthday to Sooner Meemaw. We did it. Wow.
0: <laughs> on that note, episode 359 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Sunday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from three to six on the ref. You can hear me from two to five on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a fantastic weekend. Be safe going down to Dallas. Enjoy OU Texas. It's going to be amazing, people. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
3: Wow.